In partnership with TSER's 107.3, the Walkleys present the latest episode of Walkley Talks. Fourth Estate is a weekly program about the media, featuring some of Australia's leading journalists. Broadcast live each Monday at 6.30pm on 2SER 107.3. Yeah, g'day and welcome to Fourth Estate right across the community radio network. G'day, my name's James Bourne and I'm the host chair this week. Thanks for your company and keeping me company, our wonderful panel today. With me here in our Sydney studios, we have Alex McKinnon from Junkie, Ben Collins from Business Insider and Ben Doherty, Senior Correspondent at the Sydney Morning Herald and joining me on the phone from Perth, Head of News of Perth now, Anthony DeSegley. Gentlemen, welcome to Fourth Estate. Good evening. Um, and look, working on a bit of a theme this week, uh, the Walkley Young Australian Journalist of the Year Awards. So to be given out this Wednesday, and Alex and uh, and Ben Collins joining me in the studio here are finalists this year, and uh, Ben Doherty and Anthony DeSegley are both previous winners. So look, let's start with Ben Doherty, one of our previous winners. Ben, what does it actually mean to get yourself a Young Australian Journalist of the Year award at the Walkleys? What did it mean to you? Um, I look, I wasn't there to get the trophy. I was in East Timor on a story, so that that kind of I think added to the sort of uh, sort of correspondent air that I try to cultivate around myself. Um, uh, so I missed the night, but just in terms of, I suppose, recognition of uh, you're, you're kind of on the right track with the journalism uh, the, that you're doing. I think this is an industry that often you get, you know, 10 kicks in the bum for every pat on the back you get, yeah. and it's nice to be recognised um, by your peers. And, 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 and it's just a kind of encouragement that, you, you know, you're on the right path and other people have seen that there's some merit in what you're doing. So, look, I took an enormous amount of confidence out of it and... Um, it really um, sort of propelled me along a little bit, I think. And what was it you got the gong for? Um, a sort of suite of stories. I kind of yep. covered the waterfront. Um, the year before had been uh, the 2007 election, so I, won, I was a young journalist a very long time ago, <laughs> sad to say. Um, uh, and I covered um, John Howard's resignation. I, um, I wrote some, uh, some uh, freedom of information scoops around uh, the Grand Prix in Melbourne, which was a, a big and moving story then. And, um, and also some sort of analysis and, and some thought pieces. Actually, quite a sad one about um, a, a lifesaver who drowned trying to save some other people at Fairhaven Beach in Melbourne and reflecting on the, mm. the, the part that lifesavers play in, in the Australian psyche. So I tried to, I suppose, demonstrate a, a breadth of writing ability and a breadth of, a breadth of sort of journalism um, span. Yeah, great. Um, now, Alex, you're um, currently writing at Junkie. You're a finalist this year. What does that mean to you? Uh, I don't know. It means quite a bit. Um... At the start of this year, I was just kind of unemployed. I decided to start freelancing, um, yeah. which is a euphemistic way of saying unemployed. Um, uh, I got kind of got into contact with Junkie because they pay young writers um, and they kind of publish the stuff I want to write. Uh, I started writing for them, um, and it was fantastic. I mean, I could, you know, pitch them anything I wanted, and if you know I, I did it well, they would say go and do it, and the money was kind of secondary. Yeah, great. And so what have you put forward this year, um, nominated? Uh, so you nominate uh, three articles. Yep. Uh, the main one was uh, a long-form piece I did for Junkie about uh, the final days of Scott Ludlam's re-election campaign in WA. Great. Uh, another one was about a 2,000-word piece on the Millers Point uh, community housing community up in um, near the Sydney Harbour Bridge who were getting kicked out by the state government. And the third one was for Daily Life, which was an apology to asylum seekers from a future Prime Minister. Cool. And also, um, we have another Ben on the panel with us, uh, Ben Collins from Business Insider. Um, how you doing? Thanks for coming in. Um, 
you're also nominated in the text-based category this year. Um, what have you been writing? Uh, well, the three stories that I submitted were all feature, uh, feature-length stories. Mm. Um, one of them was about an Iraqi refugee who uh, tried to repay uh, the many thousands of dollars that he'd been given in um, uh, welfare money from the government. Uh, another was a, um, a profile piece of an Australian artist named Nigel Milsom, who was uh, jailed for armed robbery. And uh, the fourth one was a uh, bit of a human interest story about some residents in Grantham, which was, uh, as I'm sure you know, severely affected by the floods. Mm. Uh, And it was basically their view on the the most recent federal election. And, you know, it was, I guess, a good way to look at political disenfranchisement in the country from some people. Yeah, great. It's it's clear that there's still investigative journalism is still something that people are truly trying to acknowledge. So I'm glad we've got all three of you here, um, essentially pursuing that yourselves. Um, also on the line we have Anthony DeSegley, head of news at Perth. Now he was a winner back in 2012. Anthony, thanks for joining us. And we will try and get Anthony back on the line. Um, look, <laughs> speaking to another former winner, um, Ben, did winning the the Walkley sort of come with expectations that were something you then had to try and match? You're also always going to be known as sort of Ben Doherty, former Walkley award-winning journalist, or um, not so much? I, I had an editor who I remember sort of sort of patted me on the back, came around and patted me on the back when I got back to the newsroom, said, that was well done, now you've got to win one in open company. So there was a bit of pressure, um, and I then lost... Walkley Awards, or you know, was a finalist. And yeah. I think the next two years before I won one last year, so it was a kind of a bit of a long road to hoe um, to get there. Um, it comes with a bit of expectation, but I, I didn't. Uh, I don't think it, it overwhelms kind of any pressure you put on yourself to be to be breaking good stories and and, and doing good journalism. Um, yeah. So uh, I I saw it more as 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 a kind of rather than any sort of pressure going forward, but but just a recognition of 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 the you know how how far I'd come to that point and, and a kind of encouragement to keep going. Yeah, sure. Um, the interesting thing about the Walkleys that people maybe don't know is that you do have to enter to mm. to be considered. What what's the decision that goes into to doing that, Alex? You know, what what drove you to have a crack at the Walkleys this year? Um, I don't know. As a freelancer, it's kind of hard to get your name out there. Mm. Um, if you're just kind of starting out and editors don't know your name, if you can say, you know, if you have the name Walkley kind of somewhere vaguely near yours, that mm. helps a, a huge amount, I yeah. think. It's a good CV, Phil. And the same for you, Ben? Uh, for me, it was a little different. Mm. Um, Business Insider is based in New York, uh, so we launched in Australia uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, some of the stories that I submitted had gained a little bit of um, uh, attention in the broader sort of media after I published some, and I had an editor that suggested that I that I enter some, I think, because it's a good acknowledgement of the the publication and yeah. what it's achieved in the year and a half since it's been sort of active in Australia. Great. Um, and we do have Anthony on the line. Anthony, g'day. Yeah, well, second time around, is it working now? <laughs> yeah, all good. Uh, thanks for joining okay. us. Um, now, look, you won back in 2012, uh, Young Walkley Award. Um, did that have an impact on your career? Yeah, look, I mean, it was it, it was good for me. I, I sort of uh, it was only a, probably a few weeks after that that I took over sort of more of a management role. So I moved into the role of chief of staff. Um, so I, I think it just gave me the confidence, you know, or, or the the legitimate, you know, to legitimise my role, you know, and and you know, telling other people that actually you can do better on this story, or, or you know, mm. you, you've missed the angle and you should do this. I think it just gave me the confidence to take that next step. Yeah, right. Um, and 
I, I think it's interesting, especially for, I guess, younger journalists and, and given the current atmosphere um, in the media landscape, that you, you do, as as Ben Doherty said earlier, kind of need that pat on the back to really get yourself going. Um, now, two of the blokes that joined me in the studio today, our, our two uh, nominated journalists this year, Ben and Alex, they're both still at university, both still studying, or, or Ben recently just finished studying, rather. Um, did did your study at uni actually give you the skills you needed to go out and, and have a crack at journalism, or is it something you really had to learn on the beat, as they say? Honestly, yeah. It wasn't something that came from lectures. Hmm. Um, I did a lot of sort of volunteer work with uh, uni, uni and university newspapers, um, sort of free reporting like that. I didn't do a media degree like most sort of would-be journalists would, um, so I can't really speak to them. But, yeah, I found that just kind of going out and doing the work that you wanted to was a lot better than um, focusing on the academic side. So what was your background, your academic background? You uh, I'm, I'm an eternal arts student. Yeah, right. um, majoring in English ostensibly, but um, since I've just gotten a job, we'll see about that. But I think this is an interesting question, like um, whether doing your media degree or your journalism degree actually gives you the requisite skills and knowledge to go and, and become a journalist. Maybe it's actually learning a language or, you know, if, if you've got a background in science or engineering, that might be um, something that gives you a broader skill set to go out and, and actually have a crack at journalism. Did you find that then? Um, look, honestly, I've joked with friends and sort of said there was nothing in my media degree that's been immediately applicable to my job as a journalist. But I think that there are skills that you learn, such as, you know, yeah, you just train yourself to think critically if you're analysing um, certain texts and stuff. Mm. I do think it was a good foundation. I, I personally have gone and done extra study to study a language, which will be sort of immediately practical. Uh, but I do think it's important that people study some... Uh, arts-related or media-related something or other at, at university. Yeah, sure. Um, ben Doherty, what are the skills that you think young journalists actually do need? Um, that's a, a very broad question. Yeah, but, um, and, and I mean, you're, um, you're, of course, an expert. In yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll condense <laughs> this as quickly as I can. Uh, look, lo, lo, um, like um, uh, Alex, I don't. I studied music when I first went to uni, and I'm now doing international law. Um, so I don't have. A, and, but I was. I was probably one of the last um, of the ones to go through getting a cadetship on a on a on a small newspaper yeah. in the country, and I found that. Um, gave me a really broad um, appreciation for at, at that time, you know, working for a newspaper. But but those skills have, have now had to sort of metamorphose and transmogrify into sort of online skills and um, shooting photos and, and shooting video and editing video and all these sorts of things. That suite of skills now is considered, I think, required from all journalists. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it was only sort of ten years ago that someone was a print journalist or a radio journalist or TV. Now I think journalists need to be comfortable in all of those mediums. Because all of those mediums, uh, you know, whatever medium you end up using, uh, working in, you you will be required to, to use all those skills. And I think, as as Alex sort of said, the, the the best way to learn is to just get out and do it. Go and bang on doors and interview people and make mistakes and write stories that don't quite come off and those sort of things. And just keep working at those skills. They really are learned skills. I think there is people, you know, there are people who are innate storytellers and have a have a good a good ear for news and a, and a, a good nose for a story. But it is it really is a learned skill. Anthony, what is it that you're looking for, you know, as a manager now um, in the young journos that are coming on board? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I tend to. I mean, what I've found from experience is that I really like it if a young journo has gone to the bush or gone to a regional sort of newspaper, just because that one or one and a half years in that country town teaches them a lot of good skills. Um, 
Like, I love the fact that if you're at a country newspaper and you spell somebody's name wrong and you see them in the street the next day and they let you know about it, I think it just sort of, it, it just teaches a very good, you know, this idea that, you know, you're not bigger than the story no matter what it is. It can be, you know, the local junior cricket results, but it's important to get it right. Mm. Um, and also just that idea of you're sort of juggling so many things. You're taking photos, you're laying out pages, you're writing headlines. They're good skills and, and you know, good teaches you about stress and that sort of thing. I think that you can miss if you go straight into a metropolitan newsroom. Yeah. Um, now, we, we've already spoken with Alex about freelancing, but um, Ben Collins, you're also leaving next week for the Middle East to do some freelancing of yourself. Um, is it sort of a, a viable option for you? You obviously consider it to be so. I mean, why... I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I've never. I can't offer any concrete advice because I've never done it before. I, I would like to. I'd like to think that it, that it's viable. For me, I think it's more of a way to um, to eventually maybe get paid as a staff writer to cover issues that I that I do truly sort of care about. Mm. Um, especially today, with um, the way media is all around the world, you do sort of need to uh, take some sort of leap, I guess, to to break into that. You can't sort of sit around and and wait for it to come find you. I think this is a uh, more of a chance for me to sort of seize that and you know try and see if I can uh, make it work. Uh, if it does or it doesn't, I'm sort of I uh, don't really mind either way. At least I sort of know I tried. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, you know, in the current landscape, we're looking at cuts to traditional media outlets. Um, I'm just wondering what all of you kind of think about the explosion of online news sites that are launching their Australian editions. Is that a source of hope for for younger journalists? Do you think when you look at Fairfax cutting back their staff and 10 cutting their newsroom in half and um, the ABC freezing cadetships and that type of thing. Is it a source of hope online, Alex? I think it depends on the outlet. Um, we have this weird situation where we kind of have um, two outlets, The Guardian and uh, The Daily Mail, who offer completely different ways of doing it. Mm. Um, the Guardian are investing really heavily in the kind of sort of long-form, detailed investigative journalism that Fairfax really used to corner and the Daily Mail um, just seemed to be kind of palming off stories from news um, so you have on, on the one hand this kind of clickbaity, very short very sharp, um, clicks focused journalism and on the, other, on the other hand you have something like The Guardian so I think it's very interesting to see how it pans out Something we'll talk about shortly um, but f for you Anthony um, a young journalist sort of coming to something like Perth now with skills for online journalism is something that they're really interested in investing themselves in? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think these days young journalists know that it's a different sort of media landscape. But, I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's a great time to be a young journalist in the sense that there's so much that you can do. You're sort of only limited by, you know, your creativity um, and you can tell stories in such a fantastic way, like... You know, if you've FOI'd a document, you can actually link the entire document to the story and the readers can peruse it themselves, stuff like that. So mm. I think what we know is that more people than ever are reading and sharing and, and talking about news. It's just a matter of, of how do you monetize that in a company sense. But for young journos, I mean, all you want to do is break yarns and there's never been more opportunity to do that. And you're listening here to The Fourth Estate. Uh, James Bourne in the host chair and our panel this week. Uh, join us on the phone from Perth, Anthony DeSegley, uh, Ben Doherty from the Sydney Morning Herald, Ben Collins, 
uh, from Business Insider and Alex McKinnon from Junkie, all of them uh, either nominated or winners of Young Walkley Awards. Um, look, just want to continue this discussion about young journalists with a look at something that happened this week. Um, the row between the Mail Online and News Corp uh, is continuing over accusations of plagiarism. Um, now, one of my contemporaries who I actually studied with at, uh, at UTS, Taylor Auerbach, was poached by the Mail earlier this year and he spectacularly resigned this year. He launched this parting missive at the Mail Online, um, as quoted in The Australian. He said he'd heard the term journalism before and was expecting to see otherwise, but he was sorely disappointed. He says, I always tried to do what I did at News Limited, which was chase yarns and do journalism, but that wasn't the accepted practice at the Mail Online. The accepted practice was to swoop in at the end of another journalist's hard yards, get the hits and the traffic as a result. Now, um, the Mail Online's been criticised for this practice, but uh, in your experience, Ben Doherty, how, how much is the, the republishing of other people's work actually prevalent in the Australian media? Um... It's a little bit hard for me to comment. I haven't been back a, a long time. But, um, look, I find it a bit hard to get exercised about this. I, I can see that, you know, News versus Daily Mail having a, having a crack at each other over this. But I think if it's the kind of story where lifting a quote or grabbing a photo online, you know, is the story, then it's probably not that much of a yarn to begin with. I, 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 I just don't think it's, it's a terribly serious thing. I, I think one of the examples that News Limited put up as, you know, evidence that they credited Daily Mail was a picture of Stuart Broad, the cricketer, on a, on a paddleboard. It's like... It's a picture of a guy on a paddleboard. That, that might have been a scoop. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I find it hard to get yeah. exercise about this. I, 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 I think, I think you see um, uh, some some financial Im- imperative in in prosecuting this argument, but I, I, I don't know that it, it's kind of, you know, sort of harming the, the the fundamentals of Australian journalism. Good, solid, strong, investigative, you know, complex pieces are not just going to be lifted whole as bolus and, and and can't be. You you need to do that that background work. So. Um, I, I don't think it's a massive issue. I think it's a bit of a spat, and there's um, and there's there's sort of commercial interest behind it. Yeah, sure. Um, at at Junkie, uh, are the journalists there sort of, I don't know, given the free reign to go and chase their own yarns, or is there a sense of journalism there as well? They are. Um, we really try and avoid the kind of journalism yeah. thing um, that good, we. Good word to to call. Yeah, it is. Way. It's yeah. a nice word. Yeah. Um, on, on the one hand, it's, you know, doing things properly. It's about, um, you know, being able to kind of say to yourself, I am a journalist, not a content creator or some other sort of mealy mouth term. But on the other hand, it's um, doing things right kind of gets rewards from your readers. Mm. Um, if a story breaks, nine out of ten outlets will jump on it straight away and print out a straight newspaper and try and be the first outlet to put something up. Whereas if you take five minutes and sit and think and go one or two thoughts beyond what everybody else does, you can give it a new angle that no one's thought of. And that will often win out. And I think maybe it's um, the wrong panel to be asking this question to because you're all nominated for Walkley's because you've actually done proper investigative journalism work. But um, Ben Collins, in your experience, do you know of other young journos who have been put in that situation where they're basically asked to turn out whatever the dross is that everyone else is covering um, rather than being given the kind of freedom to, to go and chase their own stories? Um, look, I guess it's just the merit of the story. I personally work for a native digital uh, media company and there's never been a situation where an editor has wanted me to churn out something that wasn't valuable to a reader. I think yep. there's um, there's stories that are going to be covered everywhere. I guess the idea is to find some way to add some sort of value to them. I mean, that can be quite simple. It can just be 
pointing out a bit of background or something that may have been overlooked somewhere else. I, I guess it just it is what you make it. It's um, you just have to think a little bit differently for some people if they work at certain outlets about how they can bring some value to uh, to their readers. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll, we'll we'll turn to some breaking news that we've just had through. Um, Australian Al Jazeera journalist Peter Grester has been sentenced to uh, seven years imprisonment in Egypt, we understand. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll put this to Anthony because I haven't heard from Anthony for a while. Um, just what does this mean for Aussie journalists overseas? Is it um, sort of calling into question the work that they do, making them feel a bit nervous? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, foreign journalists are a brave bunch as it is. Um, so, you know, it's, it's probably something that they will sort of take somber note of but I, I think you know when you put yourself in that space I haven't done it personally um, but I have the utmost respect for the people that do I, I think they know the risks um, that they're going into um, but you know what they do is so valuable and, and, and I guess you know it's so important that, that they'll continue to do it where it's where it's worthwhile um, and Ben Doherty you have actually done a, a fair bit of coverage overseas um, how do you react to this this news? Look, I, I I think this is yeah this is shocking news. We've got Ruth Pollard there for uh, for Fairfax there at the moment, and um and she's she's tweeting this as um as we go. But this is this is pretty devastating, and and I think will have a, a chilling effect on journalists working in the region, not just in Egypt, but but throughout that region. Um, and uh, and and things like Twitter and and, and but, but also traditional uh, media organisations have been crucial in, in 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 talking about what's happening through through the broader Middle East, North Africa, and the Middle East in the last few years. And and I think this will have a chilling effect on journalists who work there. I mean, it, you'd be a very nervous journalist filing from from Cairo this afternoon. I think so. Mm. Um, this is I mean, this is a a, a a very serious blow for 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 press freedoms in a in a in a part of the world that. Has a has a pretty patchy record on that to begin with, and a, a part of the world that needs free journalism Absolutely, at this time yeah, more I, than I, any other. Really, I I I, uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, this is this is when Egypt needs people to be able to get in there and 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 talk about exactly what's happening in that country, and and this this will only run counter to that. Ben Collins, you're heading to the Middle East next week. Do you have any reflections on this? Any any worries that this is posed to you, or are you you're sort of comfortable? You're, you're headed off to to Beirut. Oh, well, I mean, obviously it's scary, I mean, and it's appalling that that situation has been able to unfold as it has. It's obviously um, it's one of several risks that you sort of have to consider before you would make that decision. I think this situation was a, a unique situation where there were, um, you know, there are certain undercurrents of um, he works for Al Jazeera. There were broader political issues at, at play there, but yeah, I guess in some it's um, it, it is very scary, especially because the Australian government, I'm very sure, has done everything within their power and I guess mm. it, it's scary that even with that effort they sort of haven't been able to reach some sort of diplomatic solution through some sort of back channel to fix it I think that's the the scariest scariest thing of all yeah look it's um a story that's going to develop and we'll, we'll keep our eye across it but um very sad news there for Peter Grester who as we say has been sentenced to seven years imprisonment uh, over in Cairo in Egypt uh look we'll finish today's show on a, a slightly uh, more trivial note, and I, I guess that's maybe something that we do need at this time. Um, last week, the Reader's Digest released what I think is an you know, incredibly useful survey of Australians, really, really interesting, um, asking them who their most and least trusted public figures are and what their most and least trusted professions are. Now, um, most trusted people, uh, Charlie Tia, neurosurgeon, Fiona Wood, burn specialist, Ian Fraser, immunologist, so... 
you know, big big ticks there for the health people. Um, but in terms of professions, paramedics again at the top, firefighters, rescue volunteers, journalists coming in at forty two. Talkback radio hosts uh, like myself, not so much talkback, but radio hosts uh, coming in lower than actual journalists at 43. Um, I guess the question to our panel is, do these lists matter, Alex? Yes and no. Mm. I mean, if you sort of threw up your hands in response to this and said we need to change everything we do, um, I don't know. You, you don't know who who are the people who were asked about this list. Um, Australians, you know, all of Australia. Oh, just regular old... <laughs> Blokes, just Joe on the street. Yeah, just people like you and me. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, there's there might be something to it. I mean, as um, as someone who's kind of a pretty sceptical newsreader myself, one of the things that um, always kind of lurks at the back of my mind is I never quite know when I'm reading something that's ostensibly objective mm. um, where the person who wrote it stands. Um, and I know from experience that you can try and write something as objective as you like and your own personal prejudices and affiliations, they do come in sometimes, sometimes in ways you don't even understand. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of sentiment in a very vague, distorted way might be why journalists are so low on that list. Um, Anthony DeSegli, what what can the media actually do to improve this trustworthiness if the Reader's Digest poll has uh, proven to be true? Uh, look, uh, to be honest, mate, these sorts of polls are banned or out all the time. Remember when I was in university, I, they confronted us with the same poll. Look, my answer to these polls is always that the same people that say they don't trust us, you know, if we said, hey, do you want to give us a quote or jump in a photo for the newspaper, they're the same people that are clamouring over each other, like... You know, I think the general public is pretty good these days, and I think we're doing okay. Do you agree, uh, the panelists? Do you think that there is some sort of innate distrust for the media or a scepticism for what journalists do? And uh, I think, look, journalism is a broad church. I mean, mm. there are good journalists and bad journalists, and and there are. And I mean, I don't think people look at the New York Times in the same way they look at the Daily Telegraph. They don't look at the ABC the same way they look at Fox or something like that. So, so I mean, it, it's difficult to say to put all journalists in in one basket. But having said that, I don't think journalism has helped itself in in recent years. You know, scandals like the phone hacking and these sorts of things have certainly, you know, really dented public confidence that in 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 the news that they're getting and the and the operations of of, of major. Um, news organisations. So, yeah, pe- pe- perhaps there is a, um, a credibility issue there. But I think Laurie Oaks is pretty high up there on, on the list. He's at 17 or something like that. So, you know, there's there, there's some bright yeah. spark, There's some bright spots amongst it. Doing OK. Um, and, look, just uh, finally to you, Ben Collins, is it something that you're conscious of as a young journalist when you go about writing your work? Do you think about how objective you have to be, how the public will actually view the work you're doing? Um, only in the sense that it reminds me that you have a lot of power if you're publishing any sort of information and mm. that you need to respect that. I think journalists have been a, a easy target for years. I don't think any of these lists are uh, anything to be taken too seriously. Anyone with any sort of power like that where your mistakes are on display uh, very, very visually, I think you're always going to be up for it. But, yeah, only in the sense that it makes me conscious of the fact that I do need to be sort of wary of what I'm doing. All right. Look, thanks to our panel. Um, Anthony Segley, Head of News uh, for Perth Now. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me.
Great. And uh, in our studio here in Sydney, Alex McKinnon from Junkie, a 2014 finalist in the Young Walkley Awards for Innovation in Journalism. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Um, and our other nominee for text-based journalism, Ben Collins from Business Insider. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. And best luck in Beirut from next week. And Ben Doherty, Senior Correspondent at the SMH. Uh, also, thanks for your thoughts. My great pleasure. Um, now, the show here produced in the studios of 2SER in Sydney and our wonderful executive producer is Isabel Summerson. Uh, do tune in again same time next week for all the latest in news from the media. And again, uh, just repeating that news, Australian Al Jazeera journalist Peter Grester sentenced to seven years uh, jail in Egypt. It's worth taking this opportunity to put in our two cents and they're not at all controversial. Press freedom is something that cannot be taken for granted anywhere and it's a critical element of any free society and if Egypt hopes to be a free society, it should take note. Our thoughts are with him, his family and his colleagues at this tough time. Thanks again for your company. I'll catch you next week. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of 2SER's Fourth Estate. Fourth Estate is produced by 2SER's 107.3 and can be heard live each Monday at 6.30pm on 2SER's 107.3, 2SER's digital, 2SER.com and around Australia on Community Radio Network.